0: the classic gaming brothers I'm Zach
1: and I'm Seth
0: we're the classic gaming brothers
1: that's right we are the classic gaming brothers we just like are. every other every other episode we've all
0: we've been the classic gaming brothers for all of 61 of these episodes that's right uh we haven't been the classic gaming brothers for all of our lives we've been brothers for all of our lives
1: well all of your life at least there was we haven't done that joke in a while
0: no, you have been a brother for your entire life.
1: I have been a brother my entire life, correct. I just have not been your brother no. for my entire life. That's right. It's a really good time before you were born. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Anytime.
0: So Seth, what have you been up to? What have you been playing? What's the game that you've been uh, experiencing recently?
1: What have I been up to or what have I been playing? The
0: playing one, because I think that's what our, I think that's what the people of the podcast care about.
1: The, peep, the people of the podcast. They, that's the podcast what they do people. care about. So recently I've been playing a game called PC Building Simulator, uh, which was developed by Clouducus. And it's a a game where you take over your uncle's struggling PC shop, and you have to help customers build, upgrade, and maintain their computer. The game is fun if you are like a PC enthusiast, because there's a pretty good rendition and, like, graphics for re- remaking like a pc computer case it's pretty realistic when it comes to like got to make sure all the parts are in and everything is connected and where things go is, is pretty realistic and you always got to put thermal paste on everything
0: just like in real life
1: it's just like in real life and just like in real life in order to make money you have to have customers give you cash in this game
0: that is the cold hard truth of reality <laughs>
1: That's true, but also, like reality, in order for you to complete their tasks that they will pay you for, you have to interpret their emails which are usually very vague. And you have to make sure that you understand their email correctly because it will determine what parts you'll need to fix their computer. And they'll usually have deadlines. um, And you need to kind of understand like what they want out of it because they may ask for certain things. And the better you are at reading their emails, the more they will, because then you have like a rating system like Yelp And the better that you do on their job, they'll rate you better and they'll call out specific things that you did. So like they may ask you to upgrade their RAM from 2 gigabytes to 16 gigabytes and that they really like a particular company. And they'll just mention that in the email. So then you can buy whatever parts you want and put them to 16. As long as you get the computer to the right spec, you can complete the job. But if you don't use the right RAM, they may rate you poorly or mediocrely because you didn't even use the thing that they said that they like. So I think that's fun and you have to do it within deadlines and you work Monday through Friday. And when I found out that if somebody reaches out to you and is like on a Friday or a Thursday and are like, I want this job done in three days, they mean three calendar days. But you only get to play business days. So essentially you will have one day to work on it because Saturday and Sunday don't count. And you also have to make sure that you have the right parts on hand to be able to get that to that computer to the deadline. Though I did think it was fun that people paid the character you're paying $50 to blow out their computer full of dust. Oh, and the yeah. computers that they give you are completely just covered in dust. And I was like, eh, 50 bucks to blow out dust. I mean, if anyone wants to give me $50, I'll blow their computer out with dust. So what about you? What if you been recently been playing well recently i've
0: been playing keeping in my theme of playing sonic video games past Uh, At least the last episode I was playing a Sonic video game. That's right. Uh, I've been playing Sonic Adventure Dreamcast Conversion, which is an overhaul mod for Sonic Adventure DX on Steam. Sonic Adventure DX is the Sonic Adventure Director's Cut that was originally ported to the GameCube from the Dreamcast and then brought over to Steam back in 2010 or so.
1: Did did you get it through the workshop? No.
0: Uh, So I downloaded the mod, which is called the Dreamcast Conversion uh through mod database. Oh, and the mod, it's actually a bunch of mods, it's a mod pack. And it fixes a ton of issues that were present from the ports, pretty much starting with the GameCube port. So when the game was brought over to the GameCube, they ended up changing a lot of things that made the game actually better on the Dreamcast, such as certain textures were made worse and also the lighting was completely broken. So um, the Dreamcast version has dynamic lighting and they got rid of that for the GameCube version. So certain levels will appear very bright for no reason when they're supposed to be in like the nighttime. So this fixes that. It also puts back all of the original like player models and stuff that were updated for the director's cut version, which some people prefer the original models, the original 3D models, but it does keep some quality of life changes such as the improved frame rate. And also some of the textures are higher resolution textures that just look better as opposed to porting over low resolution textures that don't look good. But it's it's a lot of small... Small changes to make the steam version of the game play as closely as possible to the dreamcast version which is nice because playing sonic adventure at 60 frames per second is a really nice experience considering the dreamcast was capped at 30 so uh the mod pack is really nice um and it was developed by a user named pkr who actually hosts a website called Dreamcastify, which chronicles every single change between every version of Sonic Adventure and the subsequent ports. So he literally goes through every single version of Sonic Adventure and looks at every single change that was made to the game. And it gets very, very nitty gritty in terms of like very tiny things that no one would notice this person has picked up. Um, So if anyone was to do a overhaul mod like this, he's the person to do it. So... That's what I've been playing. It's been fun.
1: Uh, you you really like Sonic. I do really like Sonic. That's what everyone who listens to this podcast would, would know if you listen to.
0: Yeah, who knows? Next week I might be playing another Sonic
1: game. I've been playing a lot of Sonic games. Lately, it's just been your... your you've been on a Sonic kick? Yeah, I've been on a Sonic kick. That's all right. It's a, you. It's good to get into those type of like kicks where you rediscover your same passion, I guess.
0: Speaking of passions.
1: Speaking of passions, let's talk about... One of the, so this is a game that I would think of when thinking about our podcast. Like when I think of the, the games that I would want to talk about on this podcast, this is definitely one of the games that I would think of and something that we've been asked to, to do from people who are fans and not fans of the show to talk about this game, In, including my fiance who hates this show. But... <laughs> She may not like Classic Gaming Brothers. She does like Roller Coaster Tycoon, though. And that's what we're going to talk about is Roller Coaster Tycoon, which is probably simultaneously the game that I've played the most and have gotten the least far in.
0: Yeah, no. Roller Coaster Tycoon is one of those games that I have sunk hours of my life into and have not beaten.
1: No, I don't even think I got to, like, the next part. Like, the heart, like, the middle parks. I mean, I've gotten to the next park. I meant, I said part. I, I hope if anyone doesn't think that i can't get out of um the what is the forest part called forest frontiers forest frontiers and then it's dynamite dunes dynamite leafy dunes lake. leafy lake diamond i think i got heights. to leafy lake and that was it i
0: usually get to either leafy lake or diamond heights right. and i give up
1: but i do play forest frontiers forever
0: and, or, and Dynamite Dunes. Uh, Dynamite Dunes I play until that park loses value.
1: I play Force Frontiers until every square has been purchased and every purchased square has been filled with <laughs> something. So there's like no moving... Like nobody can move around uh, and you need like maps or you... Or like the, the the paths are so packed with people that you instantly get lost when you like walk into the park it, and all there is is just a spam at the bottom of like this guest has been lost, this guest has been lost, this guest has been lost over and over and over again so good information kiosks every other square you need them. that you can build so i think we already kind of started going into it but do you have any uh good memories of roller coaster tycoon beyond the theme song that haunts our dreams the theme song i think is very good it's
0: also kind of scary like <laughs> it sounds like a very sad carnival uh, but it is a very catchy song
1: i mean to be to be honest theme parks as a concept are kind of scary
0: they are they are kind of scary
1: I mean, you have theme parks such as well, or sometimes without intention, like action park, yeah, or like compounds, or <laughs> like compounds. Correct. When a, when a when a when a location has a death count, it's kind of a
0: when the location's death count is a poor ratio to its attendance count. So like. With Disney, they have, like, millions and millions of guests of years, so they're going to have a couple of deaths every now and then. No,
1: nobody dies at Disney. Ever? No, because they they do the same thing with, uh, like, uh, Action Park, where if you you get declared dead elsewhere, yeah, nobody dies at Disney. But anyway anyway
0: so Disney uh no roller coaster tycoon great game I uh, also the so its not the theme song but the opening to the game when you start the game is this loud like cranking sound of a roller coaster going up a incline and let me tell you if you wanted to secretly play that game <laughs> at night, when you're you should be sleeping you better not have the volume on because everyone in the house will know you're playing roller coaster tycoon
1: so it's a fact
0: alternatively if you are our father and wants to play roller coaster tycoon but your children are sleeping you best make sure the audio is off because otherwise all the children in the house will know you're playing roller coaster tycoon
1: (laughs) which i think i feel like it was more of the latter than the former i'm pretty sure it was almost always the latter
0: our father was very into roller coaster tycoon and is still very into roller coaster tycoon that might have been his recently played when we did our episode i can't remember
1: he it might have been that was a long time ago he is also very good at roller coaster tycoon
0: yeah he's a lot better than i am
1: (laughs) or or i um he he's able to uh get to stages beyond dynamite dunes and uh the leafy lake (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I think yes, I think par- my um, memories of Rollercoaster Tycoon. I don't think I can think back on memories of Rollercoaster Tycoon without thinking of our father playing Rollercoaster Tycoon. He is really, like I said, really good with that at that game. I mean, he's he played it a lot, but he's also skilled at knowing how to play roller coaster tycoon i think that because when I, whenever i play roller coaster tycoon i still approach it as, as if i was a child and i'm just excited about researching better rides which is not necessarily the best way to run a park By spending all your money into research and just getting better and better rides, where I think Dad plays a little more strategically when it comes to actually accomplishing the objectives. Uh, Though prior to this episode, I was talking to my fiance about all of the about the episode itself and her memories of Rollercoaster Tycoon, and she mentioned that she really liked naming every single one of the guests. And she would she would attempt to name every single one of the guests because all the guests come in with guest number in the original roller coaster. Just as right. guest number number whatever one two three. So so my fiance would go through and name them all, and eventually would start naming guests like peanut peanut butter and jelly because she would run out of actual names of people to name them because you get so many guests. So then she's just like naming them arbitrary things. We did play Roller Coaster Tycoon together where we had a uh, a dog themed roller coaster park and we named everything after. Uh, so the, the the park was named after our dog and then everything in the park was named after things that dogs would like.
0: Oh, okay like wishbones
1: yep and then the next next the next park we opened was hell that's fun (laughs) (laughs) and everything was named after hellish things but it was a it was a fun time i i think i think we're gonna do that again one day soon so do you want to get into the history of the uh I do
0: i do want to get into the history history of
1: the history
0: history of roller coaster tycoon so uh Rollercoaster Tycoon began in development after the release of a game called Transport Tycoon, which came out in 1994 by Scottish game designer Chris Sawyer. Chris wanted to do a follow-up to this game because it did very well, and he decided to take the money that he earned from making Transport Tycoon and go on a little trip. In fact, he went to Europe and the United States, and he visited theme parks with roller coasters in them so sawyer had openly stated around this time that he hated roller coasters with like a passion but he began to like them as he went on this trip and actually became an enthusiast of roller coasters and i guess at some point he had rode at least 700 different roller coasters in this europe united states trip to different theme parks from this experience he began to work on what would become roller coaster tycoon which went under the initial title of White Knuckle.
1: Chris Sawyer, who was a, a game programmer, uh, did code the entire uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon game uh, by himself. Uh, 99% of the game was written in x86 assembly language, with uh, 1% of it being written in C, which is fun because we have like C+++, and C Sharp now, and all those other. Yeah. Weird yeah. C iterations. Sawyer brought in Simon Foster, who was an artist, to do 3D modeling renders. And after Simon Foster and Chris Sawyer did an early build of the game, they brought it out to their friends and families to essentially early access play the game and playtest it, getting feedback. He then went to Hasbro to get a more bug testing and getting feedback from from them as they would be ultimately the publishers. Roll Coaster Tycoon is in the simulation genre. Similar to other titles like Sim City or Transport Tycoon, done by Chris Sawyer, the primary focus of the game is to meet certain goals based on different criteria per park. As you progress through the game, you unlock new rides and scenarios. Since it's a simulation game, you spend a good portion of the game managing your books and your money and essentially trying to make enough money with people coming into your coaster to pay your overhead and your staff. So you... You can get coasters, food, souvenir stands to bring in money as well as your coasters and admission prices go. And then you have to pay for the creation of those rides and buying those stands and your staff, advertising budget, and decor. At the same time, you have to make sure that the park is what the people is the park that they want to go to. If any of the guests in the park begin to get upset or disappointed, they will leave, which will cost you money that they may have had in their pockets. And different scenarios will have different park sentiment being a goal of the scenarios.
0: Some scenarios are rather simple. Get a certain number of guests by a given date. Other scenarios are a bit more complicated, such as maintaining a number of guests for a given period and also being sure not to drop a certain percentage in your favorability ranking. You are able to build new rides, including the option to custom build roller coasters and other tracked-based rides. So, for example, there's a train, a monorail, there's go-karts, which are always extremely, extremely popular. Like, literally, you can build a small go-kart that goes in a circle and people will queue up for that like crazy (laughs) like no matter the cost people will ride go-karts there are also a selection of pre-built rides if customization really isn't your thing also it's important to remember when you're building these rides that guests are not immortal in fact they are very mortal they will die well they won't They won't like die in the street but they they can die rather so it's really important that you maintain proper ride safety so you may have to make sure to hire mechanics and engineers that are going to do safety checks but also making sure that your ride is going the correct speed and that you have enough safety mechanisms put in so if you're building a roller coaster for example you might want to not have Multiple train setups of of multiple cars going at once and not have brakes at the end of the coaster so that when the train comes into the station, it doesn't collide with a train that's already parked there waiting for people to queue up. Alternatively, if you have a ride, for example, there's one called the shuttle loop, which will launch your coaster into a circle and then up a little incline and then drop the coaster back go through the circle again and then and then go back to the station it's usually a very popular ride but if you decide to do any customization you want to make sure that the speed is set otherwise you can launch that roller coaster across the map with the right speed settings which killing your guests while some people might find it fun and cathartic will cost you points and will cost you favorability so you you could essentially lose scenarios because of how that happens. Also, if your ride is just too scary looking, maybe you just put a lot of effort into it and people think it's terrifying. People won't go on it and you will have wasted your money on making that roller coaster. So, it's it's very important to be mindful of what people are interested in in terms of other rides that they might be riding into.
1: Speaking of a scary ride, there was a particular ride that originated from Roller Coaster Tycoon 1 that is very spooky and didn't become popular in until 2012. Well, it didn't become, I guess it became a meme in 2012. And that is the Mr. Bones Wild Ride. Mr. Bones' Wild Ride is a, a meme that showed up on 4chan and eventually became pretty popular. And it just shows a 30,696 foot roller coaster that ha- takes... Four years of in-game time to complete and where all of the passengers, because you can see the passengers' thoughts and what they're thinking when they're in when your park and you could just see them all just screaming, I want to get off Mr. Bones's wild ride. And then after they get off, they walk down a large path that goes to another entrance where they're greeted by the installation of a skeleton that has a top hat and it says the ride never ends. <laughs>
0: Ah, it's very good. I love Mr. Bones' Wild Ride. Along with all the memes that Roll Coaster Tycoon has generated, there are also some Easter eggs that are found in the game. So as Seth was talking about, his fiance likes to name characters in the game. If Seth's fiance set any of the characters to the name Chris Sawyer or Simon Foster or Mr. Bean or Brad Pitt, then there might have been some fun results. Because if you name one of the characters Chris Sawyer, that character will stop and take photos of all the rides in the park, as Chris did when he went on his his tour of Europe and America taking photos of rides for this game. If you name one of the characters Simon Foster, they will paint pictures of the rides as Simon Foster was the artist. Uh if you name them Mr. Bean, the popular british comedic character played by rowan atkinson then that character if they go on a go-kart they that go-kart will go very 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 slow uh, mr bean is known for his goofy antics however if you name that character michael schumacher who is a famous racer that go-kart would go super fast <laughs> if you name them brad pitt then the guest will actually follow brad pitt onto other rides so um that could actually be a fun cheat in the game to get rides to become popular is if there is a person heading into a queue name them Brad Pitt right away and then other people will queue up behind him. I
1: think another kind of cheap way is uh, if you name them big bucks they become a millionaire and then if you name them big bucks before they get to your park you can just set the park entrance fee to a, a ridiculous number for them to pay it Mm. before they walk through smart
0: so yeah there's um a, a couple of other easter eggs in there but those are just some of the fun ones that um uh that we noticed in in our list
1: so uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon came out in 1999 and was really just like an instant hit. And in fact, Chris Sawyer made around $30 million in royalties from Roller Coaster Tycoon. The game was released on Windows where there was a port that was brought over to the original Xbox in 2003. And the port was done by... Frontier Developments. And that's a fun... Frontier Developments is very tied back into Roller Coaster Tycoon. And they are the same studio that did Planet Coaster. Yes. And Roller Coaster Tycoon 3, which we'll talk about momentarily. In January of 2000, Roller Coaster Tycoon was announced as the best-selling PC game of 1999. Its sales in the United States totaled 1,700. Five hundred thirty-five thousand units that year, with which is a revenue of a nineteen point six million dollars, and was the third highest gross for nineteen ninety nine. For the next two years, it would consistently perform week over week and by October of 2000, it would have sold an additional 749,749 units, which would be an additional $20.32 million on top of the $19.6 million that it earned in 1999. When it closed out 2000, it would have sold a total of 1.25 million units, which equates to $32.99 million for 2000. As you may know, video games, especially I feel like back in the late 90s, early 2000s, spiked around a certain holiday season where in December, generally video game sales would spike. Which is why they would do your sales up to October and then the remainder of the year you can pick up a significant amount of volume because it's a holiday season. So like he went to Hasbro because back in the 90s, uh, a lot of the video games kind of moved hand in hand with toys. And many people viewed, and still kind of do view, video games and video game consoles in the toy category. Where somebody says, uh, you know, like, if you ask someone who wouldn't be necessarily super enlightened about video games, they may believe, and I think there is some argument, that video games kind of straddles that line between electronics and toys. Like, a video game console is decidedly an electronic, but it is also very much dedicated to one purpose, and that is entertainment. And toys book a lot of business towards the back half of the year, with Hasbro doing about 80% of their business in the, the last four weeks of the year. So you can imagine that you can pick up a lot of toy sales. During that time, including video games. In 2000, it was the second best-selling game, uh, only to be beaten out by The Sims. And in the following year, 2001, it was again the second best-selling uh, game after The Sims, where it sold an additional in uh, an additional 953,000 units to the tune of 21.9 million dollars. And by 2002, Roller Coaster Tycoon had sold over four. Million copies. Uh, before the sale of the sequel in October of 2002, they in fact picked up an additional 2 million copies and had surpassed 6 million sales worldwide. An important note throughout the Roller Coaster Tycoon series, they also picked up different awards throughout different countries where the awards are only given if they hit certain benchmarks, like 100,000 sales or 200,000 sales. So Roller Coaster Tycoon not only had domestic legs, which is what these sales totals come from, but also global legs. And Roller Coaster Tycoon had a uh, global appeal to anybody, really. And what's great about Roller Coaster Tycoon is beyond the names and the text, there's not a lot of localization that needs to be done. There's no real, like, spoken words in World Coaster Tycoon, and the concept doesn't really need to be changed that dramatically to sell it to a foreign market. Other countries have theme parks, so a theme park creator is an easy concept to understand if you are in, say, Japan or germany like it's in england like you understand what a theme park is so it's not like you're trying to like change like an idea behind a game to make it palatable for that market you just translate the words so that they know what's going on and you're good to go essentially to localize it so with roller coaster
0: tycoon doing well sequels were bound to follow first off however there were some expansion packs in 1999 we had corkscrew follies And in 2000, we had Loopy Landscapes. Uh, These packs offered more scenarios, more maps, more coasters, and some other updates. There was some updates to, like, different decor and other things like that. I think Loopy Landscapes offered a new coaster that had a better loop system. Um, Like you could do, like a mega loop on it. It was really, really cool.
1: Yeah, and Corkscrew Follies had a lot of different corkscrews in them.
0: Yes, yes, it did, as the name heavily implies. A sequel, Roller Coaster Tycoon 2, was released in October of 2002. The game was developed again by Chris Sawyer and published by Infogrames. Now, like the first game rollercoaster tycoon 2 was entirely developed by sawyer in assembly language new to the sequel however were amusement parks based on actual real world theme parks from the six flags brand of theme parks so six flags decided that they wanted to get in on this rollercoaster tycoon action and they set up a licensing deal with chris sawyer um, to have some of their real world parks incorporated into the game which was pretty cool the game also included all new scenarios which were available upon first launch of the game so whereas in the first game you had to unlock the new scenarios the moment you launch roller coaster tycoon 2 those new scenarios are all there so you don't unlock any new scenarios there's also new rides new music and improved ai for guests also there was an addition of uh, atms which could be added into your map so that uh, guests could stay longer because they wouldn't leave when they get broke. If there was an ATM that they could take money out of. So the sequel also had a few expansion packs. Time Twister and Wacky Worlds. Which would add different environmental items. And again new scenarios. And these were all bundled together. Into the Triple Thrill Pack. Which included the DLC and base game on one disc. And we owned the Triple Thrill Pack.
1: World Coaster Tycoon 2. Did enter the market with praise. However, there was criticism because there was a lack of change in the graphics or interface. It was just like a better, it was a bigger, more expansive expansion pack, essentially. That came with its own expansion packs. And at that time, I felt like a lot of games, like The Sims kind of did that. Where they released a game, and I mean they still do that. Like they release a game, and then they're like, "Here's the sequel, and here's a million expansion packs." Roller Coaster Tycoon kinda did that. I mean, the the full game of Roller Coaster Tycoon is complete, unlike Sims games. Yeah. But, <laughs> though I feel like it, it bears striking resemblance to XCOM, where they reskinned UFO Defense to Terraform the Deep, and it was just the same game. Yeah, that's it was, what it feels except like. Except with, underwater. Yeah,
0: with Roller Coaster Tycoon too.
1: Except it's not underwater uh unfortunately that would have been great underwater theme parks get on that chris sawyer by 2004 roll strike tycoon 2 had sold 7 million copies and was declared the 10th best-selling computer game of 2002 by a research company called the NPD Group, which we've referenced before. They do a lot of um, analytics on sales. In the United States alone, Roller Coaster Tycoon had earned $21.6 million by 2006. So it was a good game. Was it Roller Coaster Tycoon banner setting? No, it wasn't like the best-selling or second best-selling game three years in a row. (laughs) But it, it did do well. Now uh, Both Roller Coaster Tycoon 1 and Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 both earned gold from the Entertainment and Leisure Software Publishers Association in Britain, which in order to qualify for gold you need to have sold at least 200,000 units in Britain. So they at least sold that as well. Roller Tycoon 3 came out in November of 2004 in North America. Now while the game is heavily based on the core features of the previous titles, Chris Sawyer was only a consultant. Uh, in fact, Tycoon, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 was developed by Frontier Developments, who had a history of the game, being that they ported some of the original games and were fans of the series, and it was published by Atari. The game was a departure in the graphical sense as well. It was fully 3D, and it allowed you to go on virtual roller coaster rides uh, that you create, which is almost like a... St- kind of a thing like planet coaster you're allowed to do that as well there have been other 3d roller coaster tycoon type games that you can go on uh like th- the sim theme park which you were able to go on rides sim theme park was also in 3d but it was a bad game roller coaster tycoon 3 was better hey, co- yeah I and i think we only owned sim theme park we, we never own, owned roller coaster I tycoon <laughs> 3 yeah we had roller coaster tycoon 1 Rollercoaster Tycoon 2, and then Sim Theme Park, which, Sim Theme Park, not Rollercoaster Tycoon 3. Uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 did well. Uh, rec- it received overall positive scores and reviews upon release, and currently holds an 81% on Metacritic. According to the CEO of Frontier, David Bra- Braben, the game sold around 10 million copies, and that was back in 2015. So it did well, as I feel like the Rollercoaster Tycoon... Name can sometimes carry at least these initial games. There was, however, a couple of lawsuits that came about or because of Roller Coaster Tycoon 3, and honestly, we should talk about them. So, in 2007, Atari sued Chris Sawyer and Frontier for Chris Sawyer violating his contract by helping Frontier create an enhanced version of Roller Coaster Tycoon 3. This original lawsuit was settled out of court, however it kind of is like bad blood starts forming between Atari and Frontier. So when, our, when Atari filed bankruptcy in 2013, uh, Frontier ended up using that bankruptcy to kind of negotiate how their royalties were paid out. However, Atari didn't really want to pay out the way that Frontier negotiated, so they didn't. And according to Frontier, Atari just understated how many games were being sold so in 2017 frontier sued atari and apparently atari had only paid frontier 1.17 million dollars for roller coaster tycoon for roller coaster tycoon 3 but frontier used a service known as steam spy which is a which is a great service and is publicly available for anybody to use and observed that there was far more sales than what Atari was claiming, and that they were owed an incremental $2.2 million on top of the, 1.1, the $1.117 that they received. So they fought this underpayment, and somehow the rights to Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 expired from Atari. And the expiration of the rights led to Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 being delisted From Steam and good old games. Now, what happens with when you have a delisted game is if you already owned it, you could still play it on Steam. You there's just you're not allowed to buy new copies of the game. Uh so Frontier self-published a game called Roller Coaster Tycoon 3 Complete Edition, which is kind of an enhanced version of Roller Coaster Tycoon 3, which is allows it to run on more modern systems and is, has no involvement with Atari. So essentially Atari, they, there's just bad blood between Atari and Frontier, which is evident by the lawsuits.
0: Lastly, <laughs> there was a- another installment in the Roller Coaster Tycoon games that came out in 2016. This was Rollercoaster Tycoon World. Uh, this game was developed by Nivizio Creations and published by Atari, notably not involving Chris Sawyer. Or Frontier. (laughs) Unlike the previous games, Rollercoaster Tycoon World was panned by pretty much everyone. It currently holds a 43% on Metacritic, uh, based on uh, only a few reviews, but still. And Eurogamer actually had some choice words for it. So Eurogamer stated... That the game was machine designed to fleece your pockets and offer the bare minimum in return, and said oh, it's fun. best to avoid the game at all costs. Another company, Tech Raptor, rated the game one out of 10. And mostly cited the issues with some of the interface, a variety of bugs, and other glitches that were present in the game. Majority people just described the game as being incredibly unpolished and just not living up to the expectations of Roller Coaster Tycoon. Interestingly enough, these negative reviews started before the game was even out. Uh, There was a pre-release trailer that Atari had shown showing gameplay of Roller Coaster Tycoon World early on. So this was probably... uh, a few months or so before the game actually came out critics noted that the game looked worse than roller coaster tycoon 3 which came out in 2004 so this was a 2016 game that looked worse than a 2004 game uh atari said however you know this is a pre-alpha thing blah 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 and reportedly they went through a major overhaul of the engine and the graphics However, not definitely didn't start out on a good note, to say the least, is that your game looks so bad that people are like, wow, this looks like a game from 2004. <laughs> so that's Roller Coaster Tycoon World. However, that isn't the end of Roller Coaster Tycoon, as many ports of Roller Coaster Tycoon and its sequels have been made available on a wide variety of consoles, with releases such as Roller Coaster Tycoon Classic, um, which was actually the return of chris sawyer to the game development side of things since his work on the port of transport tycoon for the ios in 2013 and more and before that the last game he worked on was locomotion back in 2004 Rollercoaster tycoon classic is very cool as it combines both Rollercoaster one and two and all of the expansion packs into one package and allows you to play them at you know High resolution, uh, full screen, with updated interface and uh, assorted bug fixes and engine fixes to the, make the game work as smoothly as possible on your modern computer. Currently sells for about twenty bucks on Steam, so worth the uh, worth the grab. There is also the open source. Open RRCT2, which was a fan developed creation to make an open source version of RollerCoaster Tycoon 2, which was a, a nifty little thing to allow it to run on other systems such as Linux, and I think they're able to port it over to some other consoles that way. More notably, however, are the spiritual successors. Games such as Planet Coaster and Parkitect both have been praised for their kind of ability to live up to the expectations of what RollerCoaster Tycoon used to offer. Uh, planet coaster in particular because it was developed by frontier developments that worked on roller coaster tycoon 3 and the original port of roller coaster tycoon 1 so they certainly know what they're doing when it comes to roller coaster tycoon
1: i think it i feel like parkitect is a good spiritual successor to the original roller coaster tycoon and i feel like planet coaster is a successor to roller coaster tycoon 3 which makes sense because it was done by frontier
0: uh, park Attack is more of like from my understanding par- i haven't played the game but you have it's more of like it's like a modern recreation of roller coaster tycoon you know with all the updates you'd expect in a, a modern game whereas planet coaster is like what roller coaster tycoon world should have been
1: yes uh park Attack is plays in like in the isometric view that you would play the original roller coaster in roller coaster tycoon where it's like that tilted camera pan And has similar poppy windows everywhere for the staff and placing things and placing paths. And it's all very grid. Like, it's all, like, on a grid and stuff. Where Planet Coaster is very uh, 3D and technical and very graphically enhanced. Where you can build some crazy things. And really, I've seen people, like, recreate entire theme parks and you can do so with like very minuscule because you can kind of like put in your own little shapes and stuff and make your own buildings and really just go crazy with design that's our roller coaster tycoon episode um well that's our roller coaster tycoon segment we still have to talk about games that we're excited to buy wait, and pass on we we do so i'm gonna go first sounds good i am excited to buy weight or pass on a game called the dyson sphere program uh it's it's being developed. It's been developed. It's it's technically an early access. So it's I say it's being developed by a company called Youth Cat Studio, and it was uh and it entered early access on January twenty first of this year. And what it is is you, you get a uh, a sphere that you can build a gigantic factory on, where you can harness the power of the sun and build this factory in space and it looks like a lot of fun uh kind of looks like the gameplay is very similar to factorio or satisfactory which are two games that i really enjoy factorio is a, a 2d factory building game where you're trying to get things to create things and make a factory and to launch a rocket and satisfactory is similar but in 3d And this game looks like it's in 3D, but zoom back so you can see the whole planet and use like planet to it and have a limited space on the planet to work with, which it just looks like fun. It looks like something that would challenge me with my mental abilities. And it looks like in any game that can really challenge my thinking ability is always a fun game for me until I get frustrated and quit. However, it is currently single player only and i do like playing these games multiplayer because i like how having people help me make puzzles work or fix things so i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it for sure and i'll put this down as a weight as i would like to see some more development on it but it looks like it's really popular right now with like overwhelmingly positive reviews so nice uh, that's the Dyson Sphere program. Nice.
0: Dyson Sphere program. The game I am interested in by waiting or passing on is a game called One Lonely Outpost, which is a game being developed by Orarian Studios and supposed to be coming out in late of 2021. Um, the idea of One Lonely Outpost is you start a farming colony and grow it into a vibrant community. You choose from traditional animals and natural produce, or you opt for robo cows and gene spliced crops. You can take a break from all the farming and the mining to social with other colonists find a love interest explore alien ruins and more so basically one lonely outpost is stardew valley but in space so uh Looks fun. I, I, I'm I probably going to buy it. I love Stardew Valley. I love games like I love games like Stardew Valley, Animal Crossing or um, Harvest Moon. So this is just another game to add to that list of uh, life sims that I enjoy playing, which uh, are nice, relaxing games where you don't really have to pay a lot of attention to what you're doing. You just kind of do mindless work and enjoy yourself and talk to people and make friends. So I'll put it down as a buy.
1: I also put uh one lonely outpost on my wish list. Yeah. I have like 150 games on my wish list,
0: so... I've slowly started to take things off my wish list because I either am not planning to buy them or don't want people to buy them for me after I read the reviews, yeah. so, so I take them off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that I've done that too. I've been like, mm, I really don't want this game. Even if somebody buys it for me, I'll be really sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so that's our episode. That's our Roller
0: Coaster Tycoon episode. Seth, I think it's your turn.
1: Oh, all right. Uh, so there are three things that we like to wrap up with and that's how to listen to us contact us and support us in order to listen to us well you're already doing that so great you can continue to listen to us the way that you're listening to us already you can also go to our website which is classicgamingbrothers.com and you can listen to us there in our lounge or if that's annoying which probably it would be uh, you could also go into any podcasting listening app such as itunes amazon or stitcher and many more even like spotify Uh, (laughs) and you can find us by just searching classic gaming brothers and there you will find our podcast you can subscribe if you could rate us that would be great and you can listen to us there we release every episode on sunday so if you are looking for a new episode to be in your feed just wait till sunday and it will be there somewhere between the times of i don't know we drop sometime on sunday it's it's arbitrary but it's always on sunday and we haven't missed an episode yet which i'm very proud of second In order to contact us, you can send us an email, and that you can send to ClassicGamingBrothers at gmail.com. You can also do Seth at ClassicGamingBrothers.com, Zach at ClassicGamingBrothers.com, or ClassicGamingBrothers at ClassicGamingBrothers.com. However you'd like to contact us through those emails, you can do so. If sending an email is not your style, you can also go to our website and fill out a form, which is like sending an email, except you don't have to open your email client. So there's that. Those will all dump into our email address and we will read them and we'll respond. And we will even craft episodes around you if you give us an interesting topic. We've done a few, actually more than a few, episodes because of a user suggestion. Now, you can also contact us by heading over to Facebook or Instagram, or Twitter, and following our social media presence. We have a Facebook, that's at Classic Gaming Brothers, a Instagram, which is at Classic Gaming Brothers, and a Twitter, which is CG Brothers Pod. To be honest, we've been a little slacking on the content lately, and we apologize for that. Hopefully my New Year's resolution, which, you know, the end of January, which is a good time to start resolutions anyway. My February resolution is to get more content to you guys in the ways of instagram you can also contact us through twitch we have a twitch and you can follow us there it's twitch.tv slash classic gaming brothers there's also a channel that's twitch.tv that's versus classic gaming brothers that's used when we do multiplayer content and zachary plays and i play a game which is fun if you want to watch us both at the same time, which I'm sure many people do. And finally, to support us. So you're supporting us already by listening to this content. We appreciate that. We know everybody just listens to us speak at the end in order to get to the post. What is it? The the outro stuff. Because A, the outro music is really good. And B, our commentary about before the outro music is usually pretty funny, um, which is why we know that you're You're hanging on and listening to this annoying thing that we do at the end of every episode. But here you are doing so. Thank you for your support. We appreciate you. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you listening every Sunday if you do. We even appreciate you if you just find these episodes by random and you listen to stuff that you find interesting. But we just like you guys. We Thank you for listening. And so you're supporting us right there. Uh, If you want to support us further, you can review and rate us. Give us uh, whatever applicable rating you feel like we deserve and that usually helps trend us algorithmically you know if everyone thinks we're a five-star podcast maybe the podcast studio or the agent like maybe spotify will recommend it to somebody and then they'll find classic gaming brothers and what's not better than What's better than finding Classic Gaming Brothers randomly, right? It's a great podcast. We we're we're biased, but only just a little. And so that's that's kind of the things that you guys can do. Um we also say you can tell three friends. You can tell more friends if you want. Um, but yeah, so tell some people, tell friends, like our stuff, subscribe to our stuff, follow our stuff, and listen every Sunday. There's a lot of things to do. We understand. So if you can only do half of those things, we're happy with that. Even, even less than half of those things we're happy with. But honestly, we're just happy to get to this end of this episode. So, Zach, have I missed anything? Oh, yeah.
0: Don't play games like my brother.
1: And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. I've been
0: Seth. We've been the Classic Gaming Brothers
1: that's right that's right <Rolandisaillera> you know, you, know uh, you always interrupt you always say your name immediately after the classic game you say classic game of brothers then you say I'm Zach you do that all the time to me but I never do it to you do you see that da 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 da